0: table. Good morning. Welcome once again. Thank you for being here. If you're visiting with us this morning, my name is Tim. I'm the pastor here at CF. Thank you for being here. Um, today we are going to be in 1 John. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 John. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in a seat back around you. Uh, and 1 John can be found on page 1021 of that seat back Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, if you don't have one, um, take that Bible with you. We love giving Bibles away, so please take that. That is our gift to you. Uh, So we're going to be in 1 John this morning, and while you're turning there, I'd like to thank um, our Call to Worship team. Every week we have, uh, we start our morning. Daniel greets us, gets us in, and we hear a passage of scripture read, a couple of verses read, and it's that moment in our service, that time where we can kind of exhale and say, okay, It's time to enter into the presence of God. It's time to leave the things that are stressing us out, the things that are worrying, those things that distract us to the side, and we can come and we can do exactly what the call to worship tells us to do. Come in and remind us we are coming to worship God. It's an important part of our service. And so thank you. Everybody who's part of the call to worship team, thank you for being part of that. Um, I very much appreciate it. I think it's a a very valuable part of what we do here. Um, So thank you very much. So this morning... uh, We're going to talk about love. Love is complex. Love is, there's a lot going on with the word love. There's a lot of weight with that word. And really, since the beginning of time, love has been making us ask a lot of questions. Frank Sinatra once crooned, what is this thing called love? This funny thing called love, just who can solve its mystery? The great George Strait kept it pretty simple. He wrote a song about being in the third grade with a crush on Emmy Lou, and so he sent her a note. Do you love me? Do you want to be my friend? Check yes or no. And of course, Tina Turner asked us, well, what's love got to do, got to do with it? Good luck getting that out of your heads now. Love and questions about love are tied together. And this morning, I got a few more questions to add to the pile. Where does love come from? What does love look like? And why should we care about love? That's where we're going to go this morning. John is going to answer those questions for us. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into 1 John. So will you please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you for sunshine. We thank you for uh, seeing flowers um, grow and, and blossom and bloom, Lord. And God, we come to you this morning knowing that you are the source of everything. That in you we find life and health and strength and hope and safety and security. God, today as we seek after you, as we worship you, we pray, God, that you reveal yourself to us. Show up this morning, God. God, move in us. We know that you have a word for us, that you have a message for us. It is no accident that we are here this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that whatever message you have for us, whatever it is that you have for us, Lord, I pray that we are quiet enough to hear your word, that you remove any walls, any restrictions that we have to hearing your message for us this morning. And as I, as I preach, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be glorifying to you. We pray all of these things because of Jesus and in his name, amen. So we're going to be in 1 John, we're going to be in chapter 4. We've been walking through 1 John basically all year long. Um, And so we're going to be in chapter 4 today, starting in verse 7. The words will be on the screen behind me um, if you get lost. So uh, 1 John 4, chapter chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. So, the first question I have for us this morning is where does love come from? John tells us that love is from God, he says in verse 7. And then in verse 8, God is love. And so we are told to love because it comes from God. He says if you are abiding in God, if you are trusting in God, then love should be a natural development of our relationship with him. He is the very embodiment of it, is what John says. God is love. He is the measuring stick for what love looks like. It is not a learned trait for him. It is not something he's had to evolve and adapt to over time. He has always been the God who loves. Even before creation, when it was just God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God is love. Love originated in God. And because love came from God, John says we should love. Verse 7 begins, Beloved, let us love. So literally translated, that is, those who are loved, let us love. When John tells us to love, it's not to try and earn something, it's not to try and impress God or make us worthy before him, but rather it is a response to the love that we have already received. Beloved, those of you who have already been loved, let us love one another. Now if you've been with us at all through 1 John, you know he has talked a lot throughout this letter about love and that Christians are called to be a people of love. And now we get a little bit of an explanation as to why. Why are we supposed to love? We are supposed to love because if love comes from God and God is love, then those of us who claim to know him should be able to love one another. And we can do this because he has given us this new identity as his children, a new heart with new wants and desires and we know God He says, we know God. This word know is, you know him experientially. You've experienced God. You've experienced a relationship with him. Experienced his love and his forgiveness and his grace and his protection. We have experienced something that those who don't know God haven't. Which is why John says in verse 8, that those who don't know God don't love. Now you might hear that and say, but... That can't possibly be true because I know people who are not Christians who love. I know people who aren't Christians who care for others, who have experienced love. So how can that possibly be true? And that's a right uh, thought to have. The, uh, The famous scholar Ian Howard Marshall, you know he's really smart because he was from Scotland, said this about love. It is because men are created in the image of God an image that has been defaced but not destroyed by the fall, that they are still have the capacity to love. Human love though, however noble and however highly motivated, falls short if it refuses to include the Father and the Son as the supreme objects of its affection. So yes, non-Christians can love. They can show and experience Eros love, that romantic love. They can show and experience Phileo love, that brotherly love, that affection for your friends. But agape love, this kind of love that John is talking about here, when he says, Beloved, let us love, it's Beloved, let us agape. This is that kind of love that God has for us. The kind of love that we as Christians are called to show to each other and to the world. That kind of love is an exclusive ability of Christians. Beloved, let us agape one another which means that there is a type and kind of love that cannot happen without God. And the whole point and goal of this kind of love is to point others to God through the way it reveals itself. That's the kind of love love John is talking about here. When he says we are to love one another, we are to agape one another. Love one another with a supernatural kind of love that is impossible without God and has the ability to point people to God. That is how the church is supposed to love one another. Now, if you have been around church at all, or you have a little bit of a background, that sounds a little bit familiar like the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, God had his people. He had the Israelites. They were his chosen people. And he told them, he said, look, you're gonna dress different. You're gonna live different. You're gonna eat different. You are going to look different than every other nation around you, every other group of people around you and because you are different they are going to see you and know that you are mine they're going to know by the way you talk by the way you act by the way you eat they're going to know that's an Israelite that's one of God's people and so the same is for us today the church is supposed to love in a certain kind of way in a way that others can't possibly love and people see that and are supposed to be able to say those are God's people So it's appropriate for John to say that anyone who doesn't know God can't truly love because love originated in God. It's who he is. And everything God does is loving. He doesn't push one attribute to the side for another. He is always loving. It's what John meant when he said, we've called this sermon series God is Light. It's a verse from chapter 1, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is all love all the time. He doesn't put it on the back burner for any, other, any time. He is always loving. So where does love come from? Love originated in God. The next question I have for this morning is, what does love look like? And we see in verses 9 and 10, he says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. this is love not that we have loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins god's love was made manifest it showed up is what that word means it showed up in christ when jesus came into the world true love entered into the world but it wasn't just that he showed up because yes he did he modeled for what it looks like to love those who hate you, to love those unconditionally, to love those whose society has said, you're not worthy. He showed us what that looks like. He showed us what it looks like to have unconditional self-sacrificing love. He showed us what that looks like in the way he lived and in the way that he died, in the very fact that he died. Because you see in verse 9, it says, love was made manifest not just in Jesus' coming, but us gaining life Through him. Because it wasn't just that God entered into humanity. I mean, that's a big deal. That's a big deal in and of itself. But it's that Jesus shows up and he dies. Because if all he did was he came into the world and he lived for a couple of years and he taught and he did miracles and then he just left, if Jesus would have skipped the arrest, if he has skipped the beatings, the crown of thorns, the whipping, the nails, the cross, if he skips all of that, if he doesn't die, then we do. But because God is love, he sent his son, his only son. Now, we've talked in the past, in the last couple of weeks, about how if you are a Christian, if you have put your faith in Christ, that you are a fully and completely adopted child of God. You are inheriting the same inheritance that is due to Christ. We are fully and completely in the family with no restrictions. But I think we can all agree there is a difference between us and Jesus. John says in verse 9 that God sent his only son. If you're reading the NIV, it says his one and only son. If you're old school and you're reading the King James Version, it says his only begotten son. John makes a point to say this. Why? He makes a point to say that God's love was demonstrated to us by sending the one who shares in the same nature that God has. There is a sameness there. We are human beings adopted by God. But Jesus is the God being who adopted humanity unto himself. We are not the same kind of person as God. We are fully adopted into the family, but we are not the same kind. Jesus is the same as God love looks like god sending the one who shares his sameness his identity to come and die so that we can live it says he became for us in verse 10 he says a propitiation for our sin what is a propitiation this is the second time john has used this word in this letter the first time was in chapter 2 where he said the same thing he said jesus is the propitiation for our sins this word doesn't get used a whole lot in the bible but it is a very important and a very weighty word that has a lot of implication for us. Simply put, this word propitiation means appeasement, to satisfy something. And so it says that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He is the appeasement for something that has to do with us and our sin. He has appeased something or satisfied something in relation to our sin. He is the appeasement for the wrath of God that our sins have earned. Our rebellion against God, our choices, our decisions that go against this holy and perfect and good God, we call that sin. And those sins have a consequence to them, namely death. And so Jesus comes to be the appeasement of that death, appeasement of the wrath of God for our sins. And while God is love, he is also just. And these things are not at war with one another because sin must be dealt with. Sin always has consequences. If you're going to go to war with a perfect, holy, loving, and just God, there's going to be a perfect, holy, loving, and just justice that needs to be carried out. See, justice and love go hand in hand. It's what makes justice just. It's what makes justice right. So Jesus fulfills that need for justice, that need for sin to be punished by going to the cross and dying for us. And on that day, He became our propitiation. He became the one who went in our place to die on the cross in our behalf. Jesus becomes the propitiation, the one who appeases the wrath of God, so that we don't have to experience that wrath. So instead of experiencing wrath and death from God, we experience forgiveness and life. Look at verse 10. He says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sin. And then go into verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In verses 9 and 10, he says, Love was made manifest in Jesus. Love showed up through him. And in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. Now what he's saying is not that our love isn't real or genuine or true, but rather what he is saying is that he is emphasizing the nature and origin of love doesn't lie in our response to God. That's not where love starts. Love starts with God. And if anything we feel or do can be called love, it is because we are connected to God through Christ. See, our response to God, this love that John talks about, our response to loving God, that makes sense, right? Because if the Bible is true, if he did all the things that we believe he did, if God is who he says he is, he speaks and creation happens, he forms this people and he protects them for generation after generation. He promises to send a savior who comes to defeat sin and death and hell and the grave. All of these things that Christ came and died for us. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. The church started. All of these things, if they're all true, then yeah, it makes sense for us to say, I love you, God, because he has done great things for us. But God choosing to love us first Choosing to send Jesus to die, not to save victims, because we weren't victims, we were enemies and rebels against him, and that's who Jesus came to die for. That's what true love looks like. That is love made manifest, showing up, put on display, that God would send his very best, his one and only son to die for us. Love was shown through Christ. What does love look like? It was shown through Christ and his life and death and resurrection. So why should we care about love? Why should we care about love? Look at verses 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God loved us that much to send Jesus to die for us, how can we do anything but respond with love for one another? How can we do anything but respond On the night where Jesus was betrayed, he took a a basin of water and some towels, and he washed the disciples' feet. Now, we don't do this today, but to wash somebody's feet was, A, pretty degrading, but B, really gross, because everybody walked everywhere they went, and they didn't have sweet chucks like we do today. They had sandals, and their sandals were basically like a piece of material and some straps to keep it attached. And they walked through unpaved roads that were dirty and full of mud and feces and just grossness. And so when you came into someone's house, if you were going to eat, they ate lower to the ground. And so if they were coming into your house, usually your servant, whoever was lowest on the totem pole in your house or your family, would wash their feet because everyone was sitting down on the ground and nobody wanted to smell each other's feet. And so Jesus does this for his disciples. He gets on his hands and knees, and he washes their feet. The Son of God washes their feet. And when he's done, he doesn't stand up and then find the closest lazy boy, put his feet up and say, okay, who's got me? No, he tells them, just as I have done this, now you do this for each other. You do this for others. Go and serve. Go and humble yourself. Go and take care of others. When Jesus leaves after he rises from the dead in the Great Commission, the Great Commission is what? Go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father. Teach them all I have taught you. Christianity is active. Your faith in Christ cannot be passive, it doesn't make sense if it's passive. It doesn't make sense if all you're trying to do is acquire knowledge. If all you're trying to do is just take and take and take from the church and take and take and take and just try and acquire as much knowledge and understanding but never actually put it into practice, then like a broken needle, you have missed the point. If we look at verse 11 again, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Ought. I don't know about you guys, but I hear the word ought and I think, I ought to take out the garbage. I don't really want to. It's not real high on the priority list. I ought to do it, but I don't really care to do it. But this word ought actually means to owe something, to be in debt to someone, to be obligated to someone. So what John is saying is that, beloved, those who have been loved, we already saw that once, those who have been loved, if God has loved you this much to send Christ to die for you, then we are obligated to love. But it can't just be that we are obligated to love because love out of obligation isn't love at all, right? So it can't just be that we are obligated to love. So let's take this idea and put it in a context of verses 7 and 8 where we started this morning. Let us love one another for love is from God. Whoever, knows, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever loves, and knows, whoever loves God knows God. Who Anyone who does not love does not know God. What he said in verse 7 and 8 is, if you know God, if you call yourself a Christian, you love. So what he says now in verse 11 is we ought to love. We are obligated to love. But these things work together. Pastor John Piper said it this way, and I couldn't come up with a better way to say it, so I'm just going to quote him. He means ought the way fish ought to swim in the water. And birds ought to fly in the sky. And living creatures ought to breathe. And peaches ought to be sweet. And lemons ought to be sour. And hyenas ought to laugh. And born-again people ought to love. It's who we are. This is what you were made to do. Love. But we're not talking about the mushy, rom-com, infatuated, fluttery feelings. We are talking about unconditional Unrelenting, selfless, sacrificing love. That is what the church is supposed to be known for. That is supposed to be the mark of who we are. And he closes out in verse 12 and he says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. When we do what we are made to do, when we love, we are showing the world that God is real. He says no one has ever seen God the Father. No one has ever fully and completely seen fully and completely all that God is. But when the church, when Christians are loving one another with agape kind of love, we prove that God abides in us, that he dwells and rests in us. And we see his love perfected. Or another way to say that, we see his love matured. We see his love reach its ultimate goal in us. So when we love one another, it is proof positive that God is real because it only, it only comes from having a relationship with God that we can love in this way. That's the only way that we can truly love in this agape kind of way is if we know God. And it shows that God's love has achieved what it was supposed to do. God's love goes into the world, and it has two desires, to be accepted and to be reproduced and reflected. So I ask you this morning, how are you doing with loving each other? How about right here within this community? How's it going? How's it going with the people in your community group? How can you this week, in the next six days, show those five to eight people in your community group, show them love? What about the people you serve with in a specific ministry in the church? Who needs to receive a taste, a reminder of the love that you have received, the love that you have experienced from God? How can you reflect that to somebody this week? What about the person sitting in your row this morning? Or the person sitting next to you? or scary thought, the person who sits on the other side of the building. See, the way we love and care for one another, the way the church takes care of one another, that's what the world sees. That's how they judge us. It's one of the ways they decide if they want to come in. It's one of the ways they decide if they do come in, do they want to stay? By loving one another, we are, in fact, eliminating a barrier for people to hear the gospel, to hear the good news that, yes, they have sinned, they have rebelled against God, but God is love and he sent his son to die for them, to remove the punishment, to remove the rebellion and take them from rebels and enemies to sons and daughters. All they have to do is believe that Christ did what he said he would do, come and pay the penalty for our sins in our place. And when we love one another, we are removing barriers for people that need desperately to hear that message. So why do we care about love? Because love is to be demonstrated by the church. So we've looked at a bunch of questions this morning surrounding love. And I hope as you go out this morning, I hope that you go out reminded and encouraged and inspired by the fact that God loves you. He loves you deeply because he sent his son to die for you. He knows you. He knows all about you. He knows the good stuff, and he knows the bad stuff that you keep hidden from everybody. He knows it, and he still loves you, and he still sent his son to die for you. Go out knowing that, and let that inspire you to show love to others. So where does love come from? What does love look like? Why should we care? Love originated in God. And it was shown through Christ, and it is now demonstrated by the church. Let's pray.